Welcome into another episode of a Cali Green Monster show. It's a feel good Friday, February 12th, 2021. Not even just a regular Friday, it's a Friday before a three day weekend. So, hallelujah, my party people. I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward to the few days off. Sunday is Valentine's Day. I'm looking forward to spending that with my wife and son. You know, it's not just a. You know, not like how it is when you were younger and being able to like, all right, let's drink a bottle of wine or two and have a great night. You know, it's as a parent, you get to share your Valentine's Day. I do plan on sharing the story of my wife and I's last Valentine's Day before we had our son because it's actually a, a pretty funny story. But I'll share that maybe uh, in the next day or two before Valentine's Day and give you something to listen to this weekend. But... Because the thing is Friday, I feel like every day this week, you know, since Super Bowl ended, I've been kind of almost worried that I wouldn't have anything to talk about. But as I'd mentioned on previous shows and I've mentioned to people, the sports world always is here to giveth. There's always news. And while I was packing up my stuff this morning to head into work and record this podcast, there was news that broke, breaking news that the Houston Texans have released their three-time defensive play of the year, five-time proler, defensive tackle, defensive end, J.J. Watt. So Houston Texans have been in the news recently with their disgruntled quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, arguably maybe the second or third best quarterback in the league, depending on who you ask. He's been disgruntled and not happy with management or just the owners that he didn't get a say in the general manager hire, in the new coaching hire. So he's been asking for a trade. However, Houston seems to be reluctant reluctant to make a trade because, you know, the new general manager and the coach joined Houston with the idea that Deshaun Watson was going to be the quarterback there. And their future has to basically revolve around Deshaun Watson because if you don't have Deshaun Watson, there's really nothing going on there in dumpster fire that is the Houston, Texas organization that's going on right now. J.J. Watt, it seems like it was a mutual release. It doesn't seem like it was something that the Houston Texans were disgruntled and just cut him. It seemed like it was one of those things where the team and the player got together and realized it was in both their best interests that... Um, he'd be released. So I think now the attention is going to focus on where J.J. Watt is going to end up. He's already had an an amazing career. He's had a Hall of Fame career. He's one of the few people, I think it's just him and Aaron Donald, one other person to get three-time defensive player of the year. So he has the individual accolades. He's made enough money in his career. And so I think at this point, I don't think J.J. Watt is going to be looking for the highest bidder. I think he's going to be looking for a place where he can win a Super Bowl. I think there's three places when immediately that jumped into my mind that J.J. Watt could end up at. The first being the Pittsburgh Steelers. Both of his brothers play up there. So it would be kind of crazy to see if a third Watt would join J.J. and just already make a really strong defense in Pittsburgh that much stronger. I could see him going to Green Bay. He's from Wisconsin. He played his college football in Wisconsin. 
the Packers need to upgrade their defense. They have a terrible run defense. J.J. Watt can help with that. And I also think he could maybe potentially go down to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is now, you know, the defending Super Bowl champions. They look like they, you know, they brought in people this year. You know, Tom Brady, Gronk, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, um, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Donovan Sue. Like, they brought in a lot of these veteran players down to Tampa Bay to chase a ring, and they were successful in that first run. So basically, with Tom Brady being there and with his plans to stay there and seeing the ability and the level that Tom Brady's still playing at, I could see that Tampa Bay is going to be a destination where a lot of veterans are going to be trying to reach out and joining. There was even a post from Adrian Peterson. I'm not even sure if it was a joke or not, but I'm pretty sure it was true. I mean, he had a Tom Brady Tampa Bay shirt or a jersey in the frame. He's like, bring me down to Tampa Bay. I mean... He's still, Adrian Peterson, last I saw, he's, he still can do it. He was with Detroit, and they were running him a lot. Before that, he was with Washington. And he still got gas in the tank. And, you know, I mean, they had Leonard Fournette on their team. Or not Leonard Fournette, uh, LaShawn McCoy, that's what I was going to say. I mean, he didn't even play any snaps. I mean, maybe adrian peterson plays that role as like the the veteran third or fourth back on the team but but basically the point i'm trying to say is that tampa bay i think is a place where veterans are going to go and i think would make a lot of sense for jj watt to to go i mean he could literally just take the veteran min at this point he's someone that like i said it's like i think he's just focused on winning now he even at a press conference was talking about how it's disrespectful to football and it's disrespectful to the fans that pay their hard-earned money and spend the time to watch football if you're not going to go out there and give 110 percent like so jj watt is just like one of those guys that just like fucking eats drinks pisses sleeps football like that's just all he is and i think that all, all J.J. Watt is really missing from his Hall of Fame career is a Super Bowl. So I anticipate him landing in one of those those three spots. Hell, maybe even like Kansas City. Because like I said, Kansas City is another team that I fully expect to always be challenging for an AFC championship or a Super Bowl, at least for the next decade, with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. So... Thank you, NFL World. Thank you, sports, for dropping that breaking news right before today because it gave me something to talk about. But I did have something I wanted to talk about and discuss today. Tomorrow night is a UFC, UFC pay-per-view, UFC 258, Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns for the 170-pound welterweight UFC title. It's a pay-per-view that I feel like kind of has snuck up in a bit. This is a fight that has been booked a few times over the past year. They were originally supposed to fight in July, but Burns came down with COVID-19. So Usman ended up fighting Jorge Masvidal in like 10 days' notice. That ended up being selling over 1.4 million pay-per-views and was one of the most sold pay-per-views. I don't think it was because of Usman being a draw. I think it's just of how hot Jorge Masvidal's stock was at the time. But so that's that was the last time we've seen Kamaru Usman. 
They were again scheduled to fight in December, but Usman had some undisclosed injuries, so that fight got scrapped. So we're finally going to have this fight tomorrow night, February 13th. It's a fight that I I think will be good. It's two really good fighters, but I think the problem that I'm seeing with it is that it's on pay-per-view and they're asking for full price for this. Because if you look at the rest of the card, I feel like it's just it's it's UFC fight night quality that like you would see on like on a card that you get on ESPN Plus or something that they'd roll out for free on ESPN. Even the stuff on ESPN that they roll out for free is better because they're trying to draw in an audience to be able to pay money on ESPN Plus. Because I mean, if you look at the the rest of the card, it starts with a 185 match with Mackie Patolo and Julian Marquez, who. Lightweight, 155, Jim Miller and Bobby Green. I mean, Jim Miller has been around forever. I think he's tied with Donald Cerrone for the most UFC fights. You know, I, I love Jim Miller. He's tough as nails. And, you know, Bobby Green is also a veteran of the sport that, you know, he's always game. But at the end of the day, these are guys that aren't threatening for titles, and it's not relevant in the division. So I think it's just, you know, it's it's a fight. It's, it's to watch two professionals that are going to scrap. But like I said, it's... For me to shell out my money for the UFC at this point with so much stuff to do and, you know, just money being at a premium, I need more than just Jim Miller and Bobby Green. You know, you got Kelvin Gastelum versus Ian Heinish. It, that, you know, Kelvin Gastelum is someone that's been relevant in the 170 and 185 pound division over the better part of the decade. He was an ultimate fighter guy, but he's recently on a three-fight skid. And keep in mind, the three fights that he's lost are against some of the best people in the 185-pound division. The champ, Israel Adesanya, basically gave Israel probably his toughest fight to date. If you haven't seen it, go check out Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum. But he's also lost to Darren Till and Jack Hermanson. So these are the best of the best at 185. So I don't. I guess we'll find out this weekend if Kelvin, if his skid is the result of just a lot of his wars and just his UFC career and time in the octagon accumulation, if that's catching up with him. Or, you know, if he can come out strong today and just reestablish that he still is a contender at 185. So, I mean... Because besides the main event, that's the only fight that really does kind of give pique my interest. The co-main event is a women's flyweight bout between Macy Barber and Alexa Grasso, and just I I don't care. Like I mean, like it doesn't. I mean, maybe there's probably people in the MMA community that are following this more, and you know, maybe 21 year old Dean would just be like, "What are you talking about, dude?" Macy Barber's the shit, dude. She's eight and one. You don't know what you're talking. She's the next big thing. But I, at this point, let's. I'm kind of, yeah. Like I said, I, I, UFC. I'm. I like to follow it, but if I'm gonna be paying my money to watch it, it's like there needs to be a, a strong main card that's gonna, you know, of relevant fights that, you know, and at least of some people that I know. So, I know I sound like a casual, and anyone listening to the show is like who the fuck is this guy talking about just like completely dogging the ufc card but hey i'm not gonna pull punches you know i come from you know when i first started watching ufc it was like you'd get a pay-per-view maybe once every month and a half you know maybe once a month but it was like the ufc fucking brought it every time it was like the main card that was pay-per-view was you knew every fighter every fight was just like a big relevant fight for the, the division 
even the prelim fights that would be on Spike TV, those were usually always bangers. Even some of the fights on Facebook Live, you know, like on Facebook, that they would put up for free, those would be great. So it's just like, you know, you're comparing a, a, a pay-per-view that I paid for $50 like 10 years ago versus this card, you know, I don't know. I, I'm going to try to catch the main event sometime after the live showing of the pay-per-view because I just don't see, you know, I just don't see it being worth the full price of what Dana White is charging. And sorry, Dana, just just being honest, man. So just give a little background on each of these fighters because I'm not sure many people know about Gilbert Burns and, you know, Kamaru Usman, he's, you know, he's, he's riding a 12-fight win streak in the UFC. He's actually tied with George St. Pierre for the longest UFC win streak, and he's potentially going to break it um, coming up. But even with those accolades and stuff, I feel like Kamar Usman is still one of the lesser-known UFC champions. I feel like if I ask a, a common person that maybe casually follows, follows UFC if they know Kamar Usman, I feel like 50% of the people would probably say yes. Um, you know, and, then, and even less so with Gilbert Burns. You know, Gilbert Burns is someone who was a lightweight for a while, but since moving up to 170, he's really impressed. On his current four-fight win streak, he's had some notable wins over Gunnar Nelson. You know, he was a late replacement. I remember seeing that at the time and thinking that Gunnar Nelson had an easy win because he's just like a tough-as-nails dude from Iceland. But, you know, Gilbert Burns, you know, showed that he had some stand-up chops and not just his uh, world champion jiu-jitsu. He was so he you know he's able to decision Gunnar Nelson. Then they set him up with Damian Maya, which was billed as like two really great jujitsu protect practitioners because you know Damian Maya has been arguably the greatest you know jujitsu fighter you know jujitsu based person in the UFC. There's a couple other really great ones like Fabricio Verdum, and I know I'm forgetting more. But you know Damian Maya is always billed as just the premier grappler in the 170 and 185 pound division and you know he Damian Maya even got Gilbert Burns he got on his back and that's usually in the first round and that's usually like game over when you got Damian Maya on you and Gilbert Burns dude he was slick as fuck he slipped out he dropped Maya with a stiff jab and he was even celebrating after he hit him with the jab because he thought Maya was out. And then he just finished him up with the TKO. So he did that. And then he dominated Tyron Woodley in his last fight, five rounds. You know, Tyron Woodley was trying to come back after getting beat by Kamara Usman. You know, he was a dominant champ for a while. So, you know, was trying to get on that horse and maybe work his way back for a rematch. But, you know, he got, he got murked by Burns again and that, performance was so impressive to Dana White that, you know, he continuously books Burns for the, the title shot, you know, even with him missing out with the, the COVID, you know, they still wanted to slight move Burns up. To me, I kind of was more in favor of booking the rematch with Colby Covington, because as I've mentioned before, I feel like UFC, in addition to being a sport and seeing the best of the best, it also has elements of professional wrestling, and I feel like there's an entertainment factor to it. And if they would have booked 
the rematch with Colby Covington, you know, it just would have made it would have just been another good box office because there's a story there, and there's a lot of bad blood between the two. Because right now, like I think the main story with Usman and Burns, and you know, there's no real beef, there's no bad blood, so there's not that storyline, but they're at least. They're former training training partners from Florida. They both trained with Henry Hoof at Sanford MMA. So Henry Hoof, Dutch kickboxer. So, you know, a lot of their striking base might have similar, you know, it's from similar teacher and might have similar philosophies. So even though Kamaru Usman has been training in his past couple fights in Colorado with Trevor Whitman, they basically they are familiar with each other they've been in the training room with each other and i think that's at least something that gilbert burns can have going for him that a lot of contenders don't have when they go with the champion is that you know a lot of times when a contenders before they even have their fight with the champ they don't know what the the punches feel like or what the the shoots from the champion is going to look like or anything like that but you know Gilbert Burns I think probably has a good idea of what Kamar Usman is going to bring and I'm sure they worked with each other so I think that that's going to have an element with this fight you know Kamar Usman is a he's a grinder he's an all-american wrestler he was a division two NCAA national champion if you look at his past recent fights they've been going in five rounds so he dominated Damian Maya five round decision then Rafael Dos Anjos five round decision Tyron Woodley five round decision TKO'd Colby Covington broke his jaw in the fifth round and then Jorge Masvidal five round decision so one thing that you're going to know is that Kamaru Usman he's going to grind you he's going to get up in your face he's going to push you against the cage a lot of people now with is infamous in his last fight is his foot stomps. So every time you bring up Usman, people are like, he's going to foot stomp you to death, which is totally legit. And, you know, if you don't want him to foot stomp you, then get him off you. But that's easier said than done. This guy doesn't get tired. And especially with this, now he's training in Colorado. Man, this guy's probably got cardio for days, you know, because I, th- I believe, you know, going from Denver back to down to fight in Vegas at the Apex Center, I think that's a drop in elevation. So, Kamara Usman, who doesn't get tired and is just a machine, I feel like is probably going to have an even better gas tank. If you look at the odds right now, the better the the odds makers are heavily favoring Usman right now. He's minus two seventy five to Burns plus two thirty five. You know, at plus two thirty five, if you want to throw a couple bucks at Burns, that might be you know you know you never know because I feel like going into this fight there is almost just in my history of watching MMA and just sports in general when someone starts getting the Dana White like he could potentially be the best ever oh this guy's the number one pound for pound guy and he just starts overhyping a dude it just almost is like it's it's a recipe for just the letdown it kind of reminds me of like Head and Burrell when that guy was just dominating fools and it was just like, oh, this guy is the, you know, pound for pound, like, best. And then, sure enough, his next fight, he just lost. And then Henan Barrow was just never the same. So, I mean, so with Dana White touting, you know, Kamar Usman has a potential to be the best ever. And he's excited for Usman to break GSP's consecutive UFC wins record. So there's a lot of things that could be going against Usman. But I think at the end of the day, 
Usman's going to win. If I had to pick, I think it's Usman. I'm going to go with the champion, five-round decision. I think that, you know, when you're choosing between a wrestling base and a jiu-jitsu base, I tend to go with the elite wrestler. I feel like wrestlers know how to basically control the situation and control the ground game. Usman has is one of the best in the clinch. I th- he's he's a little bigger than Burns. I believe he's gonna be he's strong. I, I believe he's stronger. I don't know. I've never wrestled either of them, and I've never seen them in person or seen them lift weights. But Usman looks like he's probably the stronger guy. So I think just a stronger, bigger wrestler has the advantage over a jujitsu guy. So, but you never know. It might be end up being one of the most exciting fights, and I feel like that's another thing how the UFC works out a lot of times is these pay-per-views that have no hype going into it and have the expectation to just not deliver and be worth the money end up being the most exciting cards. So that could end up happening, but time will only tell. One thing before I get out of here on this Friday, just wanted to bring up, highlight Stephen Curry from last night. You know, a couple of days ago, I talked about Steph Curry and how he's just been on fire this season. And then it's been, you know, kind of like the, oh, y'all must have forgot season for him. Last night in a 111 to 105 point win over Orlando, Steph Curry got 40 points, eight rebounds, five assists, and he was 10 for 19 from three point. Shot 19 threes, but hit 10 of them. He's now have says he now has 17 games in his career with 10 plus three points, and that's more than the next five players all combined. Stephen Curry is incredible, and you know just like how I tout Tom Brady as a great one of the greats, and you know LeBron is one of the greats, and you got to be you know almost feel lucky when you watch these guys play. Stephen Curry is in that category, man. Not many people can just step up at half court at the logo and just jack up a shot, and it's actually a good attempt. So, yeah. But with that, it's been a Cali Green Monster Show. Hope you guys enjoy your three-day weekend. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.